Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. Nathan Edge lost his sight due to extremely rare circumstances. Now at the age of 22, Nathan is training with the England blind football team and hopes to play in his first European tournament later on this year. Nathan has incredibly supportive family and friends, but he puts a lot of his success down to his four-legged friend, Guide Dog Hudson. And he joins me now. Thank you so much for joining me here in the programme today. Now, you lost your sight in a really complex and unusual manner. Can you tell us how it was that you lost your sight at 19? Yeah, well, it, it started off at a much younger age when I was five. Uh, I woke up one morning and... Um, my left knee was completely locked at 90 degree angle and I was diagnosed with arthritis. Um, and then a year later, that uh, inflammation from the back of my knee went to the back of my eyes and I was diagnosed with, a, with another condition called uveitis, which um, left me with about 20% vision, which was uh, not, not too bad, but obviously it was a significant loss from 100% down to that, really. So then as I turned 19, I got um, two bleeds at the back of the eye, which um, left me with, well, with nothing at all. <laughs> So did you have to go through operations then to try and fix this or was this something that they couldn't do anything about at the time? They tried all sorts of things and um, especially towards later on when I, when I got the bleed at the back of the eye they tried um, laser in the back of the eye to um, to stop the bleed uh, which sort of worked in the first operations I had then the bleed came back which was really unusual and then when I had the operation again on the same eye as my right eye uh, by the time I woke up from that, that second operation, it, that eye had gone completely. And they said, uh, you could try the operation again in your left eye, or you could, could leave it and let it gradually deteriorate. And I mean, it was a very difficult decision to be making at 19 years old. It was kind of a, a losing situation. Because if I have the operation, it may save it, but I risk losing it instantly. Whereas if I don't have it, it, it will gradually deteriorate. And um, you know, we expect to get five or six years of it slowly going. And that's a decision I chose to make which felt right at the time, really. Do you know, it sounds so similar in, in many ways to to my story of sight loss. I mean, I wasn't obviously arthritis or uveitis. I lost my sight completely at the age of 19 in the space of about two weeks. And again, it was from operations due to diabetes, uh, retinopathy. So it was, it was bleeds at the back of the eye. And actually, it was only in recent times. I only found out maybe... Uh, in the last week or two that had I left one of my eyes then I could still have a little bit of sight so you know there's no right or wrong decision to make there and it's so difficult at the age of 19 because that's what I was faced with do you take the decision to have the operation and possibly lose the sight or to keep the sight and let it fade it's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. I chose wrong, but at the same time, you know, I chose and I did what I thought was the best at the time for me. Do you have any yeah. regrets? Well, that's it. It was such a hard decision to be making. And like I say, at 19 years old, I mean, at the time, I was just deciding what degree I was going to go on to do. Not not a decision like this. And, um, you know, my family was there and I had great support around me, but at the end of the day, it was only me that could make the decision. And, um like I say, we weighed up all the options and I thought I might get five or six years of having some sight left, but I was too scared to lose it any earlier than that, which is why I decided I didn't want to try the operation. If it went then, I could have done so much in that five or six years. So that's why I chose against the operation and chose to let it run its course. Unfortunately, after I made that decision, it was about four months later, instead of getting five or six years, that's when I woke up um, on a Saturday morning 
to discover it had gone completely. So at the time, I think I did regret the decision because I thought if I had the operation, would it have saved some sight? And, you know, who knows on this day now, I could have had sight. I don't regret it at all because actually in such a strange way, losing that last bit of sight has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. And it's it's really weird to to be able to say that, you know, three, three and a half years down the line, but it's sort of pushed me to go on and do so much more of my life. And um, a lot of thanks goes to um, Hudson, who's my guide dog. He was with me for all of that time. But it's so strange, you know, to think that um, we've done more in this last three years than I ever would have done. And I think because of that, I don't have any regrets at all. You know, we'll go on to talk about your, your guide dog, Hudson, because I know he's everything to you. And we'll list some of your achievements as well. But I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm going back, you know, 21 years to when I was 19 and going through the same kind of decision process that you had to go through. You know, it's almost like I can feel the weight of that decision on my shoulders, in my heart. It's the most incredibly difficult thing to be asked to do and to be expected to do at that age and uh, as I said earlier you know there's no right or wrong because who knows I could have a little bit of sight but at the same time like you I've gone on and I've made the best of my situation and I've managed to move on with my life and achieve a lot of things that who knows maybe I wouldn't have achieved had I had that little bit of sight or if I hadn't lost my sight at all so I think you end up just coping with the card that you're dealt. I, th- I think so, yeah, exactly. I mean, you just never know what the outcome will be, whichever decision you make. You've just got to make what is the right decision decision for you at the time. And, um, you know, once you've, once you've made that decision, I don't think you can afford to look back. People always say to me, you know, would you do things different? And I, I still say no. I made that decision then because it felt right. And um, whatever comes up next, you just take it on and, and go with the flow, really. And I think that's um, been... That's been my way of coping with it as well. In some ways, people say, well, well, it could have been in my control in a sense that if I made a different decision, the outcome could have been different. But at the end of the day, how my sight has gone, it's not been in my control. It's just been how my life's panned out to be. I think everything happens for a reason and um, I think I needed to lose my sight to make me the person that I've become today. It could have gone either way. You know, I could have um, lost my sight and I could have let it beat me and I could have giving up on life which at one point you know when I was 19 I nearly did that's how hard it did hit me at the time but thankfully I took the other option and uh, I just got on with my life and it pushed me to try new things and go and do the things I've always wanted to do and I think it was more a fact of proven to myself and proven to everyone else that actually yeah I've lost my sight but that's not the end of it and that's not the end of me and I can go on and do the things I've always wanted to do. Do you know, when I was 19, I think because I'd never met anybody that was blind, for me it was a a really traumatic and scary time, as it was for my family and friends. But I think, you know, the one thing that, that really pushed me on at the time was people thinking that that was it. I was written off, my life was over, and I wasn't going to do anything. I was just going to, you know, sit in a chair for the rest of my life and be wrapped in cotton wool. And actually, I think it was other people's negativity that spurred on my positivity at at the time and pushed me to actually make a success of my life because so many people automatically thought 
it was game over. And I wasn't going to let that happen. Definitely not. But, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, you had 20% sight uh, for from the age of about five onwards. What does that actually mean to somebody who has their full sight or somebody who's never had their sight? I mean, when you have 20% vision, does that mean you can get about without a cane, without a dog, without any kind of visual aid? Were you able to read large print? Yeah, um, and that's it's one thing that I'm really, really grateful for, the fact that for after our really important years, if you like, as well, from five onwards up to, like, say, up to I left school, really, really key points in my life when I'm going for education, and it allowed me to sort of stay in mainstream school, and I still needed support, but... You're right, you know, with 20% vision, I could get around without a cane or a dog. And I think for people to look at me, they would have never known I had a visual impairment. Although it wasn't plain sailing, it wasn't easy for me. I think one of the things I was very good at at that time was hiding the fact that I had a visual impairment. Probably for the wrong reasons, but at that time, at that age, um, I felt like I needed to do that. Within school, I could read around 32 large print and all my work had to be modified. But yeah, um, I was still playing football with... Um, you know, in the fully sighted leagues and uh, I could only see a third of the pitch. But I think having that 20% vision just enabled me to sort of live a, as much as I could, live sighted childhood, I think. And I think that's made a, you know, made a huge difference to, to my education and to, to my childhood whilst I was growing up. You know, I always think that personally, certainly in my case, losing my sight at 19, I was so much more resilient than I would have been losing my sight now that I'm 40 because you're kind of on the threshold of your life your career your you know everybody's kind of moving forward and getting on with their lives and and traveling and doing all these things and and yes to a certain extent you're back at home and you're relearning how to do everything but you know because you're young you can push on and and get on with it in a way that I don't know I it would frighten me now if I'm honest and yet I speak to people who lose their sight in their 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever the case may be, and they cope admirably and amazingly. But I do think that, uh, you know, it just sounds like you being 19 at the time, you were very tenacious and you weren't going to let anything hold you back. And you've proven that over the last three years because, you know, you are only 22, Nathan, and uh, it's it's been a relatively uh, short space of time that uh, you've had full vision loss. But... uh, Tell us about some of your achievements. You play football now, don't you? I do, yeah. Um, I, I, I just listened to you then saying three years, and I, I think, I think, wow, it seems like so much longer, but it seems like it's gone really fast at the same time. Is that makes sense? That's how it feels, and some of the things you know I've been able to go on to do since that time three years ago when I did lose my sight. You know, one of those things is like you say, getting back into playing football. Football has always been an absolutely massive part of my life you know as, as a child I think every single day I'd have been out whether it is raining snowing or, or or sunshine I'd have been out playing football with friends uh, just on the street although I would say I was a disadvantage I couldn't see as much I was always wanting to compete because I just loved the sport and um, when I turned 19 and my side did go that was a massive part that was taken away from me I've got a footballing family. Me and my dad, we always go to watch football. We're at Mansfield Town Support and we travel home and away. And um, even that didn't feel right for me to go to anymore because I felt like I couldn't see it. So I don't belong there. But then at the same time, on a, at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, when I was sat at home and not at the football, that didn't feel right either. So I sort of hit a, hit a block for a couple of years where I was thinking, you know, I really miss that part of my life. And 
although other things were looking up around me, I was getting getting out and about and making a lot of my life. That was still an aspect that was missing. And it was just under two years ago. It was the first time I finally made that step forward and looked at getting back into football. And I discovered a, a regional talent centre in, in Leicester, uh, which is a couple of hours away from me. But that was my most local one I could go to. And I went along just to give it a go, thinking, you know, it would just be nice to kick football again. I'll, I'll never forget that day because I went there. In a way, I was expecting not to like it because I was thinking it was going to be too different to to sighted football that I was used to playing. But it turned out I loved it, and I think that really just brought the magic back into me, uh, the magic of football back into my life, and enabled me to go and play more and go and watch it again. And um, I remember early on, the people there, the coaches were saying that I have ability and I, I have potential to take it further. And they, they started saying about um, playing for England one day. I mean, when I heard that, I just couldn't believe it. I just thought, actually, if I could do that, what an achievement that would be. So that's what I set my um, my target to do. And, uh, you know, a few months later, I moved down to Hereford, uh, which is where a lot of the England uh, players are based. And I started studying at the Royal National College because I knew I was going to get the best training and education opportunities there as well. And that's what I did. And it, it turned out to be absolutely massive for me really did it's just incredible nathan i mean it really really is in such a short short space of time i think most people would be forgiven for for still being in that limbo phase trying to come to terms but you've just really grabbed the bull with the horns and you've decided to just knock the ball out of the park figuratively speaking and that uh, you are training now with the england uh, blind football team aren't you yeah i mean it's been something especially this year it's um, been a massive stride in the right direction um, you know, I had my well, next month I was going to be on my first uh, plane to an international tournament. Now, unfortunately, as I speak right now, I've, I've picked up an injury, which is uh, a little bit frustrating. But I know in a couple of months I'll be back out there, back on the pitch training properly. And uh, my target is to be in the Euros in, in August, which we take part in Berlin. So I think from where I was a year and a half ago, kicking the ball for the first time, and now saying that I'm looking at playing in my first, well, competitive European Championship in, in August um, I sometimes have to pinch myself because it's a big difference from where I was then to where I am now and um, this is one of the things that I mean about how losing my sight has actually made me go on and do things that I probably would have never would have done and um, I think playing for England I would never have done that at a sighted level so to have this opportunity now to go and represent my you know, my country in a, in a sport that I love and to also have the chance of possibly representing the the nation in a Paralympics in the future. That's absolutely massive. And um, I think to go and do that, it'd be a dream come true. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it really is phenomenal. It just is incredible. And uh, I don't know what I would have done if I had my sight, obviously I'd love to be able to see Nathan. There's not a single day. You know, I'm now over half my life blind and I never thought I'd get to that stage. You know, sometimes I have to pinch myself in thinking that I've now been blind longer than I've been sighted. I, I have my days where I get down and I think, gosh, I'd still like to see. And that's 21 years on. But I tell you, I don't let it 
destroy my life. And I've done so much as a blind person to be proud of and met the most incredible people on my journey that I think you've just got to take everything as it comes and and deal with it as it comes as well. And you put a lot of your achievements as well down to your fabulous guide dog, Hudson. Now, we mentioned him earlier on, and uh, he has really given you the tools to just get out there and move on, hasn't he? I put a lot of it down to him that I've been able to go and achieve so much of these these things that I have done over the past three years. And I think it's mainly because Harry was there for me during that difficult time when I was losing the last bit of my sight. Um, like I said, I've always been regarding myself to be quite lucky uh, because when I did wake up on that Saturday morning and discover that all of my sight had, uh, had gone, just a few months before that, I'd been partnered with him as I was trying to prepare for that inevitable sight loss. You know, we we'd qualified and we sort of started moving forward. And um, like I say, even though I lost my sight earlier than expected, it was still a massive shock. And to have him by my side, it's hard to put into words. I didn't understand the dog could really make such a difference to somebody's life. But when I was there feeling alone, terrified of the world and sort of just closing up within myself and, and scared to speak to people, I had this bouncy dog right next to me and anybody that I met that's met Hudson they know he's definitely a bouncy dog and I think just having him by my side throughout that whole journey just gave me that last bit of hope and uh, I knew if I was going to get through it he was the one that was going to let me do it that's the way I felt about my first guide dog was called Stuart and he was a big golden retriever and the most incredible dog and he came into my life at a time where you know I'm not saying that a guide dog is like a crutch or that you should get a guide dog to get you over your sight because that's not going to happen but it does give you the opportunity to focus your attention on these four little paws that are taking you about and allowing you to live your life you want to show your gratitude to those four little paws by you know making sure that you look after them you love them you care for them and you know it is a responsibility so I'm not saying it's a distraction but in a way it kind of is it is yeah it's, like I say it's something that, that got me out of bed in the morning you know I could have easily just stayed in bed and 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 not done anything in my life but the fact is I had that responsibility and you know he was he was uh, laid down in his bed next to me and as I got up in the morning you know he needed feeding and he was taken out and he needed to go for walks you know that's just how it was and it was up to me to do that uh, I didn't want to let him down because he was there for me. You know, I need to be there for him. So that's exactly what it was. And like I say, it was um, just little things like that did make a big difference. And I say it could be seen as this distraction, but it was it was more than that. I think it gave me you know a purpose as well, uh, knowing that I'm not completely useless because I've got this uh, bouncy four-legged friend right here, but depended on me. So um, that did help you know, a massive amount, especially in those early days. Oh, very much so. I know that some of the lowest ebbs in my life, sitting with my head in my hands in tears when I've had the breakup with a a boyfriend or, you know, something traumatic's happened in my life. My mother, you know, being so ill and dying and, you know, just various different awful things that have happened in my life. And this little kind of face appears at your face and the paw goes on the knee and you suddenly are just filled with this feeling of hope and love because you know that um, they're there for you as much as you are for them. Now, you've dabbled a bit in radio as well. You're a vlogger too. Tell us a bit about that. Um, yeah, that's just something that we started doing recently, to be honest. Uh, it's me and, my, me and my partner, Emma. Uh, she's been a massive vlogs of watching vlogs for, for quite a while. And um, 
and I think in the past few years, um, because uh, myself and, and Hudson have had quite a lot of media opportunities with the thing that we've done, it's just sort of become a bit of an interest in mine as well. And what, one of the things I've discovered through through Hudson's um, social media pages is that a lot of people have a lot of interest in what goes on in our lives and what mainly what happens, you know, what, what Hudson's like uh, as, as a guide dog and also as a pet dog as well, really. Uh, so I just thought, you know, we both enjoy it. And whether we become successful in it or not, it doesn't really matter to us because there's nothing better for us than going out, doing all these great things and capturing it on camera and then having those memories to look back on. And that's exactly what we've been doing. And we only started in January, but we've had a tremendous amount of uh, fun just doing it and editing it. And then, like I say, watching them back, it's been so much fun. The radio is something that I did a couple of years ago. Um, and that was uh, a local... Uh, sort of charity again it's something that I've had interest in and uh, something that I, f- I found quite fun to do but the best part of it was working with young people so what we did as adult presenters we went in in the day we did shows and we had that side of things but then later on in the afternoon or in the evening we worked with young teenagers who, who had an interest in the field and they came on into the radio they did shows with us and then what we essentially did is train them to to go on and do shows themselves so it was rewarding in so many different ways. You know, one, because we, we get to do the thing that we love ourselves. Uh, but two, we're there to mentor those who are going to get so much from it themselves as well. So um, really great time in my, in my life. And it's something, I think, again, that experience uh, I'm very grateful to have. Well, do you know something? I am very grateful to have had the experience of chatting to you today because, honestly, you're such an inspirational character. You really are. You've got it all going for you, Nathan. A sportsman, a good-looking boy, a vlogger. You've got everything. Uh, and that you. fabulous uh, dog, Hudson, of yours. So congratulations with all your achievements. And uh, thank you so much for talking to us here in RNIB Connect Radio today. If anybody wants to take a look at your vlog, what's the best place to check it out? Uh, if you just pop onto YouTube and it's uh, Nath and Ems. I mean, if you just type in Gerda Cushion on there, I'm sure plenty of videos will pop up anyway. Fantastic. Nathan, many thanks for joining us. And we'll speak to you again here on RNIV Connect Radio. Thank you so much. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.